I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're all very familiar with misinformation, what it looks like, how it can impact our politics. But have we really taken a deep dive in terms of disinformation? Uh, for nearly a year now, uh, Mimbaro Solutions has been tracking a massive Chinese disinformation campaign online. Really pleased to have joining us on the program today, Nick Monaco, who's the Chief Innovation Officer and Director of China Research at Mimbaro Solutions. Uh, Nick, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Boyd. Excited to be here. Yeah, so as you look at the, the work that your organization has been doing, the strategic analysis, uh, consulting companies, you know, really specializing in the detection and countering of malign influence and extremism. Just give us first a snapshot, and then we'll kind of dig in a little bit. What are you seeing out there? What should all of us be thinking about when it comes to disinformation? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of kind of academics or people in the field will make the distinction between mis- and disinformation, uh, saying that disinformation is false information spread with intent. So you're intending to deceive someone on purpose, Whereas misinformation might be, you know, you, you see something online you're unsure about, and you retweet it, and later it ends up being false. So uh, the intent is not to deceive with misinformation. It's more of a, an accidental thing. But uh, both are relevant, certainly, within the context of the pandemic and, um, you know, political mis- and disinformation as well. Uh, so, yeah, at Maburo, we've been um, tracking kind of a, a year-long 2021 operation aligned with the Chinese government. Uh, known as Spamouflage. And basically, this is a a well-known actor in the social media space that promotes uh, propaganda and disinformation that is aligned with the uh, Chinese government. So uh, one of our most recent reports on our our blog kind of explores the details of that operation, uh, and it it hit a lot of different things. So there was COVID disinformation, um, you know, spreading lies about where, where the virus came from, uh, there was um, Xinjiang disinformation, so kind of denying human rights abuses within China, and, and all sorts of interesting things I think would be of interest to uh, to everyone listening. Yeah, so as as you looked at that, as you dug into that, um, again, especially as it relates to some of these really critical things, um, but you've, you've looked at it in terms of kind of the large-scale network of things coming out of the Chinese Communist Party or CCP, uh, how they yeah. have had, you know, aligned Facebook accounts uh, and other things like that in terms of some of this, again, disinformation campaigns. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. I think I think the thing that was most surprising about this spamouflage operation is this is a well-known actor that's been caught, you know, no less than four times in the last two years. Um, so very persistent uh, and a well-known actor that the security teams at these companies uh, should be keeping an eye out for. Um, what surprised us most about this one was just the scale of it, right? It was over 2,000 accounts um, that we know of. I'm sure that there were more. And, uh, you know, some innovation in their techniques, but overall, this was something that was, uh, you know, eminently catchable, detectable uh, for those teams. So it was somewhat concerning to see that not only was the scale of Chinese uh, disinformation growing, but it was, um, you know, somehow flying under the radar of security teams at these platforms. Yeah. Now, I want you to walk us through just a, a few things, because I, I think as as we consume news, as we're on social media, uh, some of the things that sure. you pointed out in terms of how these campaigns get done, in terms of what they're putting out there, some some things that I think are interesting, some things that are distracting, uh, some things that make yeah. uh, things focus really rosy. Uh, give us some breakdown of some of the things that you saw in this Zhejiang uh, uh, particular related content. Yeah, definitely. So I think that um, you know one of the reasons that ultimately this this campaign can't be tied back to like an office in the Chinese government, but it is certainly heavily aligned uh, with Chinese government messaging and Chinese state-owned media. So that's that's one point right there, right? Um, Chinese state media tends to be very centralized and put out the same message, uh, basically saying that, you know, there are no human rights abuses going on. Um, and then it's northwest portion of Xinjiang, which, um, in fact, there are. It's, it's well documented, and several governments have recognized it formally as genocide at this point. Um, so what was interesting, there are a couple of things. One is the alignment of these fake accounts and, and how they'd message. Basically, on the same day, at the same minute, they would put out the same messaging as Chinese state media. Um, so that's one interesting thing. There were also some novel techniques that I think might be interesting to viewers or, or listeners, rather. In particular, uh, running of ads and the use of AI-generated profile photos. So computers have gotten quite good at making fake images of people who do not exist. You can actually go to a website called thispersondoesnotexist.com and see these for yourself. Um, so those were used as profile photos for these disinformation accounts. Uh, and then the, the most new and noteworthy thing, I think, in the Xinjiang campaign was running ads uh, on Facebook that were spreading disinformation aligned with the Chinese government. So not only did uh, Facebook not catch these accounts, but they were able to innovate and actually run political ads uh, on a system, uh, and that just should not have been possible. Yeah. You also noted that uh, some of the things that they're posting and doing, they have kind of the, the, the cheerleading propaganda campaigns, uh, the, the positive things. Yeah, uh, yeah. You talked about their, their good cotton and you know being smeared by the, the awful Americans. <laughs> uh, what else did you find? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting thing, too. So I have a piece coming out with one of my colleagues, Colin Ide, uh, very soon about um, sort of overt uh, government conferences on Xinjiang. And uh, we have a line in that piece that says that the propaganda is at times so rosy as to border on parody. And I think that, uh, you know, the cotton example is a perfect example of that, like trying to distract from human rights abuses by saying our cotton is so high quality uh, why would you not want to buy it? Stuff like that. So this cheerleading propaganda is kind of a hallmark uh, of Chinese state operations. Um, 
Yeah, I think I neglected your question. No, <laughs> no, that's, it's it's uh, it's just so fascinating to see because, uh, as you rightly pointed out, some of it just borderlines parody in terms of uh, just yeah, how sure. absurd it is. But uh, but it's important for all of us to. To, to really have our antenna up a little bit and be looking at these things. Uh, any other advice you'd have for all of us as we're on social media? What else should we be watching for? Uh, I think we all get the misinformation component. Disinformation is what worries me because it can come across as so sophisticated and so legitimate uh, that often I think uh, at least a lot of us uh, just kind of buying in by default. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, the bad news is it takes a little extra effort, but the good news is it doesn't take that much effort to, um, you know, vet your sources and vet what you're looking at. So um, one of these things that happens a lot on places like WeChat or chat applications where you're in a big group with, say, your family or your friends is someone will forward something, and because it comes from your grandma, you just naturally believe it's true. Believe it's true. Um, so I'd, I'd say check that instinct, and if something looks fishy, um, it's really easy to see, like, for instance, how recently a domain was created. So a lot of uh, disinformation, fake news actually comes from recently created domains or websites um, that were made purposely to spread false content. So that's an easy thing to check online. You can go to places like G or spyonweb.com, which is not as nefarious as it sounds, and basically just look up the registration date. Um of a domain to see, you know, if it was created last week, that would inherently make me a lot more skeptical immediately about its content. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one thing I would say uh, for sure. But there are a number of different things that you can do to um, kind of keep your cyber hygiene up and, and keep up your guard as far as that kind of stuff goes. Yeah, such, such an important part uh, for all of us being online. Then just one last 30-second question. Um Sure. What are the things that you're watching for? What are the things that you're digging into uh, in the in the months ahead that we all should be aware of, particularly as it relates to China? Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on in China right now. Um, I'll try to distill it to 30 seconds, but uh, Xinjiang is definitely something we're keeping a big eye on, genocide denial, stuff like that. Um, messaging around the Olympics, you know, trying to cover up Omicron outbreaks, stuff like that. Um, and, of course, we have the 2022 midterms coming up soon as well. So uh, messaging from China targeting not only the U.S., but other nations as it relates to kind of their geopolitical goals. So um, those are just a couple of the things we're keeping an eye on. But there's a lot going on out there. Yeah, fantastic. We'll have you back to dig into some of those other pieces as well. Nick Monaco is the chief innovation sure, officer yeah. and uh, director of China Research at uh, Mimbaro Solutions. A great insight, Nick. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd. Happy to come back. Yeah, take care. All right. Uh, We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. Of course, political polarization is a serious issue in the country, but are we really on the brink of a civil war, or could we be on the brink of a civil debate? My thoughts coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.